Hey, it's Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Crazy story today. A news reporter spouting off to the media claiming that marijuana is responsible for all the mass shootings in our country. We've also got a story on the government making moves to spy on cannabis-related businesses. So get ready. The marijuana industry is constantly changing with new laws, rules, and regulations. And whether you're working in the field or investing in it, you need to know what's happening. We keep you up to date by bringing you the latest information on the marijuana industry. So get ready, because this is the M News Now. We're only halfway through the year, and there's already been 246 mass shootings across the United States. You can't turn on any news source without hearing of the gut-wrenching tragedies. But how are these connected to cannabis? Well, according to Fox News host Laura Ingram, she believes that mass shootings are the fault of marijuana use and its legalization. During her show, The Ingram Angle, on Fox News last week, Laura Ingram questioned why people aren't talking about the connection between cannabis-induced psychosis and violent behavior. She said, This is something that the medical community is well aware of, yet you get the sense that billions of dollars on the line are more important than our kids. And what's happening especially to young men in the United States, who are frequent users of this high-potency THC that's now in marijuana products sold legally in dispensaries across the United States. I mean, this at the very least needs a serious national conversation. Ingram added that politicians should be working to stop legalizing marijuana, rather than trying to make weapons harder for people to access. Here's a direct quote from her, minimizing guns' involvement in the shooting and maximizing marijuana as being responsible. She said, And yet people like Beto O'Rourke are fine going in and doing a run on guns. And I guess you can argue that, if that's what you want to do, try to get rid of the Second Amendment. But yeah, completely oblivious to what legalization of marijuana has done and is doing to an entire generation of Americans with violent consequences. Sadly, she's for real. Laura Ingram also pulled out her own set of fake facts and said that marijuana was responsible for, quote, the horrific carnage from other tragedies we already know about where high-potency cannabis may have played a role. So far, she hasn't said any facts. She's made it sound as though marijuana is responsible, though, and she's insinuated that it's doing this to an entire generation. But she left out an important thing, facts. She has stated zero facts. Laura Ingram then spoke to Dr. Norman Miller, an addiction psychiatrist, who said, If we as a country are interested in solving the gun violence problem, we're going to have to look at the role of drugs, particularly marijuana, in causing the violence, particularly the mass violence. Dr. Eric Voth of the International Academy of Science and Impact of Cannabis also said, The reality of it is, you know, legal AR-15 owners or handgun owners that are not stoned, that are not violent, are not killing people. Like Ms. Ingram, neither of these doctors actually quoted any facts. All they and Ms. Ingram said was that we need to look at it and they deeply insinuated that cannabis was the fault, but they gave no backup, no proof, no reports, and no facts. Ingram then went on to quote author Ron Kessler, who wrote, Virtually everyone ignores the obvious reason for the dramatic increase in these tragedies, Democrats pushing legalized marijuana. Again, no more facts, just his statement trying to link legalized marijuana to mass tragedies without any evidence whatsoever. Since Kessler was Laura Ingram's only source for someone saying directly that marijuana is responsible for the increase in these tragedies, let's look at what he says. Kessler wrote a published article on this topic on June 1st. His article, which she used as a reference, is extremely weak on facts, with little to no proof or substance to back his claims of blaming marijuana on violence. Kessler's article's first so-called fact was calling out how THC potency has increased in what he says are the last couple of years. 
He then compared the percentages of THC in flour with those in wax, as if it were showing how much THC potency has grown. That's simply not accurate. Flour and wax THC concentrate is apples to oranges. They're completely different things. And the fact that wax has a higher THC concentration has no correlation to the THC content in flour. They're two different things. His argument that THC has gone up in cannabis took up more than half of his article. He showed no data and referenced no evidence, but rather just spouted off on it. Whether he's right or wrong, and he is wrong, that actually has nothing to do with proving cannabis is responsible for mass shootings. That's just a discussion on THC percentages. The only other piece of so-called evidence that he gave for his article, which blamed cannabis for mass shootings, was to say in his words, marijuana use has been linked to more and more mass shooters. And then he went on to list five incidents where a shooter did have some connection to being a cannabis user. Although he was only able to come up with five instances, there have been 246 mass shootings to date in the United States for 2022 alone. In 2021, there were 692. In 2020, there were 610. In 2019, there were 417. And so on and so on, going all the way back to Columbine in 1999. So citing five incidents isn't such a high percentage, compared to the last couple thousand incidents. Mr. Kessler's article also claimed that a 2020 U.S. Secret Service study of mass attacks found that nearly half of the perpetrators had a history of substance abuse, which included marijuana and other drugs. This was complete misdirection. When you go read the full report, you can read for yourself that the Secret Service does not single out marijuana use as a reason for mass shooters. Going directly to the source, the United States Secret Service National Threat Assessment Report from August 2020, on page 14, the report clearly writes, nearly half, or 46%, of the attackers had a history of using illicit drugs. But unlike Kessler's twisted wording, their report only said that those were specifically cocaine, methamphetamine, LSD, ecstasy, and misused prescription drugs Xanax, Adderall, and Vivines. Marijuana was not mentioned in that nearly half, or 46%, that Kessler claimed. Marijuana wasn't mentioned until the next sentence in the report, where it said, For two-fifths of the attackers, the use of these substances and or alcohol and marijuana may have reached the level of abuse causing negative consequences in their lives, including criminal charges, academic failures, court-ordered treatment, and eviction. So breaking it down, the sentence where the Secret Service refers to marijuana is only in correlation to two-fifths of the shooters, not half, and that they may have reached a level of abuse which caused negative impacts in their lives, such as crimes, academic failure, court-ordered treatment, and eviction. The report absolutely does not say that marijuana use caused violence or the shooting. The Secret Service report only said that it was one of the things, like alcohol, which an overabuse of could lead to negative impacts on their lives. Again, the Secret Service in no way said marijuana was responsible for shootings. When you read the whole context, it's very clear that Mr. Kessler cherry-picked his so-called facts to fit his narrative, and Laura Ingram just repeated them as if it were fact. And now she's spreading that misinformation all across the country using her national TV show platform. Research that was done by the Violence Project identified that the most common motivation for the mass shootings was psychosis, which is a type of mental disorder wherein the person can no longer identify what's real or what isn't. People who are suffering from psychosis also tend to have difficulties with employment, interpersonal conflict with family, friends, or coworkers, and more than half of the shooters already had a criminal record, while a great deal of them suffered from a history of trauma or had some form of domestic abuse. There's no research to show that cannabis use caused their psychosis. It's simply a percentage of all cannabis users who happen to have psychosis. 
And sure, individuals with psychosis should not use cannabis. But more importantly, people with psychosis should not be using guns. Cannabis doesn't cause people to have psychosis, and it doesn't cause people to commit mass shootings. Miss Ingram's using her national TV platform to perpetuate half-truths and misconstruing of facts to fit her agenda. She's deflecting blame from guns and pointing it at cannabis. No matter where you stand on the gun debate, there's no need to falsely drag cannabis into it. As you can read for yourself in the Secret Service report on the thousands of mass shootings, cannabis is not the source or responsibility of mass shootings. So either Ingram is deflecting blame from guns, or she's working with anti-cannabis groups to defame the plant. In any case, she's wrong. She's cherry-picking facts, she's exaggerating, and she's laying blame based on opinions, not fact. As a final note, it's worth mentioning that cannabis is incapable of causing death on its own, as in, you can't overdose to the point of death from cannabis. Go ahead and Google it for yourself. You'll find numerous sources all agreeing that research shows it's impossible for the human body to get a toxic dose of marijuana. On the other hand, alcohol alone directly accounts for 95,000 deaths per year. Pharmaceutical drugs account for another 20,000 deaths per year. And guns have accounted for nearly 20,000 deaths per year for the last two years. The U.S. government hasn't made a single move to assist the cannabis industry on the federal level. The government has left cannabis as a Schedule I drug. Schedule I drugs include things like heroin. Schedule II drugs, which are considered less problematic, include things like cocaine and methamphetamine. But nope, the plant, cannabis, is still on the Schedule I drug list. For reference, the definition of a Schedule I drug states that it has a high chance of being abused or causing addiction and has no FDA-approved medical use in the United States. Interesting, since the FDA has approved a prescription CBD product for treating seizures. And CBD is cannabis. So right there, the federal government is saying cannabis has an approved medical use. It's also interesting to consider cannabis compared to alcohol in the definition of a Schedule I drug addicting, and no medical purpose. While rubbing alcohol is absolutely used in medicine, when's the last time you recall any medical professional ever recommending drinking alcohol as a medical benefit? Never. Alcohol is extremely addictive by all accounts. And other than rubbing alcohol, drinking alcohol has absolutely no medical use. But cannabis does. And yet it's still listed as a Schedule I drug. And the government has not made any moves to remove it. The government's also chosen to not protect state-legal cannabis businesses from the cash-only business model they're forced to use, thanks to the federal government refusing to back banks that work with the cannabis industry. This has literally left state-legal cannabis businesses to handle billions of dollars in cash, which causes an enormous safety issue for everyone. But still, the government doesn't help in any way. But you know what the government absolutely does make sure it does concerning cannabis? It takes its tax money, happily and greedily. And that's also why the government has no interest in helping cannabis, because they make more money off them this way. Current IRS tax code 280E forces cannabis businesses to pay taxes on money that they didn't even make. For example, a cannabis company might spend $200,000 on rent, electricity, water, payroll, insurance, computers, software, security, permits, and every single other business expense. They may also buy $30,000 worth of plants or seeds and nutrients. But at the end of the day, Let's say they spent $230,000, but only sold final products of $300,000. So their profit was $70,000. But guess what they're paying their income tax on? Everything, minus that $30,000 cost of goods. Therefore, their final tax bill would be for a gross income of $270,000, which would basically wipe out their profit. 
So what's the point of staying in business when that's the case? Working just to pay taxes? It's unsustainable. But does the government care about that? No way. The greedy government just wants more, without caring that it's killing its cash cow. The U.S. Treasury Department collects data on marijuana businesses from banks. They go even further. They collect data on any cash transactions over a certain dollar amount. That used to be $10,000 a month, but that was before cannabis state legalization. Now, perhaps you've noticed your friendly banker may ask where you got that $3,000 cash deposit. It's not just friendly banter. They absolutely are monitoring you and reporting back to the government who's trying to catch hidden cannabis cash. And money orders? Have you noticed that you aren't allowed to purchase more than $2,000 in money orders anymore from good old Walmart? You used to be able to, before state cannabis legalization. Now, Walmart limits you to $2,000 before they insist on collecting your identity information. That's not just for their own amusement. It's because the government is pressuring them, and all the other money order vendors, to submit the identity of everyone who operates in more than $2,000 cash. Banks are doing it, money order companies are doing it, and the government's monitoring it. The amount might not always be $2,000, that does vary from place to place, but basically, two to 3000 is the new threshold. And you can bet that if you're operating in cash, the government is watching you. Last week, the Treasury Office posted a notice in the Federal Register saying how it's now planning to extend that eagle eye searching for cannabis cash to more than just plant-touching companies, but now also start gathering data from any marijuana-related businesses as well. The Treasury said that its money laundering risk system, quote, enhances the ability of examiners and bank management to identify and evaluate risks that are associated with bank products, services, customers, and locations. In other words, the government will be putting more pressure on financial institutions to rat out any businesses dealing in cash in suspicion of cash transactions that escape their taxation grip. The government agency summed up their justification for this by saying that these moves will help them be better able to identify institutions that may pose heightened risk and allocate examination resources accordingly. It's interesting that they're suddenly concerned about posing a heightened risk. They don't show any concern for their own IRS employees who have pleaded with the federal government to pass some sort of banking reform so that they don't have to continue accepting millions of dollars in cash from cannabis companies like they do now. None of this new information will do anything to help the cannabis industry. It won't keep anyone safe. The only thing this will do is help Big Brother keep an eye on every last tax dollar that they want to squeeze from cannabis businesses, without actually offering any help or safety measures for anyone. That's all you need to know for today. Be sure to keep listening for the latest updates. And follow us on themnewsnow.com. Later.